0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. I want to come at you today with a real quick, real short, Perspective on voting. Tomorrow, November 8th, 2022, is Election Day in the United States. And as citizens of the United States, we have an opportunity to go to the polls and to cast a vote for those who will rule over us. We must never forget that this is a unique and special time in history. For the majority of history and Even today, in the majority of countries around the world, there are not free elections, there are not fair elections, and despite whatever you may think about um, election integrity in the United States, it appears to me, and I would maintain, that we still have the most integrous elections of any country on the face of the earth. That may or may not be true, facts could disprove that coming up, but I think that we should begin with the presupposition that our elections are, to the most part, integrous. Now, with that caveat out of the way, we need to look theologically at the reason why certain individuals will win their respective races and why certain individuals will lose their respective races. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So whether you vote or don't vote, the leaders that we have in the United States are those whom God has ordained and established. And we know from biblical history that when God wants to judge a nation, he will give them poor, wicked leadership. And when he is giving a nation a reprieve, He will give the nation wise and integrous and God-honoring leaders. I don't know what God is going to give us tomorrow, and you can't know that either. But what I will say is this. As a Christian and as a citizen of the United States, we have been tasked with certain responsibilities, and in the unique situation of the United States, the unique opportunity to help select those who will rule over us. Now, one thing to bear in mind is that choosing someone to rule over you in the civil government is far different than choosing someone to rule over you as a pastor or elder in your local church. Of course, we want men who are integrous and who have high moral character leading our country. We would love that. That would be the ideal situation. But we are oftentimes uh, faced with the prospect of electing individuals who may or may not be Christians. And in the case of those who are not Christians, who are on the ballot, they don't abide by God's law. They are not um, coming at life from the same worldview that you or I would have as Christians. And so it's hard to judge them on matters of character. For example, I was not a fan of uh, former President Donald Trump when he ran in 2016 because I thought his character was very, very poor. And I was just, um, quite frankly, repulsed by his character. And I I chose to vote a different direction than vote for him. I, I did not vote for the other major political candidate. Uh, Mrs. Hillary Clinton. However, um, I know some people chose to make that decision. What I'm trying to say is that when we are choosing a person to rule over us, in some regards, moral character in every aspect of life, like the total moral character of the person is somewhat less important than their moral standing on a few major issues that really shape and sculpt American life. And I don't think that every Christian holds my particular worldview, and I'm not trying to say that you should or shouldn't hold this particular view on your candidates. In fact, I think I've had to modify my view from where I was at in in 2016, because as much as I still do not like former President Trump's personal character and I think that um, in some ways he is a very repulsive individual in his moral life. I think that his policies and what he did for our country was very good and it resulted in a great blessing to everyone who was living underneath his leadership. And so, you know, for me this has been a bit of a shift in perspective and You know, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily right, maybe I should be more strict in choosing a political candidate, but I have to remind myself I'm not choosing a pastor, and the person that I may have an opportunity to choose may or may not even be a Christian. And so what types of things do I look for, what types of things do I consider when I vote to select those who will represent me uh, in the civil government? Well, I would say, for me as a Christian, there are three major issues that I vote on. Um, I might be what some political pundits would call a single-issue voter, because I will let one issue stand above all other issues in making a selection for somebody to serve in the civil government. And that one issue that stands above everything else for me is the issue of abortion the right to life, or the right to choose whether to um, put your child to death or not. I will not vote for a candidate, no matter how good they are on fiscal policy, no matter how good they are on foreign relationships, no matter how good of a charismatic speaker they are, or anything else. If a candidate is a pro-abortion candidate, if they support the murder of innocent life, I cannot vote for them. And I would say that as a Christian, you should not vote for them either. So I'm willing to be a single-issue candidate when you know the candidates seem equal. I'm willing to be a single-issue candidate, and I think all Christians should be, when it comes to the matter of voting for people who will protect life versus people who will allow life innocent life to be destroyed in the womb. That's my number one issue. That's the number one consideration that I have when I go to the polls. And so while some candidates may not be totally upright and moral, while I may have disagreements on their fiscal policy or maybe their foreign relations policy or their domestic relations policy, if they are a pro-life candidate and they have a track record of supporting pro-life positions, I will support that candidate, and I would encourage you to do the same. The second major issue to me that I will come down on is the issue of marriage and the family. I think it's a travesty, and I think it's a great tragedy that the Supreme Court in the Obergfell case in 2015 enacted legalized homosexual marriage as the law of the land. This is an atrocity because it makes a mockery of God's original design and intention in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God made male and female. He made them in His own image, and He made female to be joined to male in what is called marriage, and the two shall become one flesh. And they shall have offspring, they shall be fruitful and multiply. They shall um, populate the earth, and they shall rule over the earth. Those are the things that God said man should do. And so to me, the second major issue that I look at when voting is, what is a candidate's stance on homosexual marriage? And even um, if you were to look at Republicans or Independents or Libertarians, even a lot of people uh, who would identify in those political parties are in favor of homosexual or gay marriage. I just can't get on board with that. Now, if a candidate is pro-life and also pro-gay marriage, for me, the pro-life trumps the pro-gay marriage thing. But to me, the ideal candidate would be one who is going to protect the family by standing up for a traditional Judeo-Christian view of marriage. And let me just say this, it's not just a Judeo-Christian view of marriage. If you're Islamic, you have the same view of marriage as somebody who's a Christian or a Jew. If you're a Buddhist or Hindu, you have the same view of marriage. You believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, not between two men or two women. Um, Now, I understand in stricter sects of Islam, there are uh, those who believe in uh, polygamous marriages. That doesn't seem to be the the popular um, version of Islam that's here in the United States. But at any rate, what I will say is the major world religions have something in common, and that is a sacred view of marriage. That marriage is between a man and a woman, and the purpose of marriage between a man and a woman is to have children and then to take care of that which God has given them to take care of. Those are commonalities, and and so I personally look at that as the second major issue when I'm looking at candidates. And then if I have to go beyond that to a third issue, I will look at some other things like, what does this candidate believe about um, the use of debt and spending? Does this candidate believe that um, we should have general freedoms in the United States according to the laws that are already established in our country? Does this candidate uh, promote the free exercise of religion, the freedom of speech, uh, even speech that is what some would consider hateful or speech that some would consider distasteful. Do people have a right to air their various opinions in the public sphere so that all sides can hear the opinion and hear the arguments and then make a decision on what's the best? Now, what if you were of the perspective that you would say, you know what, let's just leave it up to God. Let's not vote. Let's, God will pick the right person, and I, I don't want to be involved in this process. Well, I suppose that in your Christian liberty, you could exercise that choice to not vote. However, I would say that you are doing yourself a disservice, you're doing your country a disservice, and you're doing the Lord a disservice because He has given you not only the opportunity to vote, but as a citizen, you have a responsibility to help choose those who will rule over you. I believe that it's imperative that we exercise our responsibilities of citizenship according to the measure that we are able. In some countries, we're not able to vote, and so I understand you're not able to exercise that particular right. But in the United States of America, we are not only free to vote, it's easy to vote, and easy to become registered to vote. And we as Christians should do what we can to vote to put candidates in office who will represent a biblical perspective on life. Again, the candidate doesn't have to be uh, as moral or as upright in character as the person you would pick for your pastor. If they are, that's great. But if they're not, that's okay. Where do they stand on these other two important or three important issues? Where do they stand on those issues? That's the key. That's the thing that you need to think about. Finally, I would say this. Because we have the responsibility and the freedom to vote, it's our duty as Christians to pick candidates who will promote righteousness in society. may not be perfect, but those who will promote righteousness are the ones that we should vote for. I'm not going to say who to vote for. I don't know what state you live in. I personally live in Ohio, and uh, so I know which candidates I'm going to vote for because based on these things that I've shared with you today. But I would encourage you, you know, you have about 24 hours before the polls open, by the time this is recorded and published, to when the polls will open on November 8th. Do your research. Find out where the major candidates in your state stand on those three issues. Abortion, marriage and the family and upholding the laws that have already been established in our country. Find out where they stand on those issues and then vote for the candidate who will do that which is right according to scripture. Well, thank you for taking the time to consider these matters. I pray that God would give you wisdom and insight as you select the right candidate or the best candidate in your local race to lead you and govern you in a way that would honor God.